There is your seated. I want to take you to two passages of scripture. The book of James, the fourth chapter. James chapter number four, verse, verse eight. And then we're going to go back to the gospel of John chapter 13. I feel like the Lord has laid this message on my heart today. This entire month we've dedicated specifically in the midweek, but also the last Sunday and today I want to focus on drawing closer to God and why we need the presence of God in our life. Here in this church, we are very passionate and we're in pursuit of God's presence. Not just in our gatherings here, which is a priority for us, but we want his presence every single day of our lives. And so today I want to tap into that a little bit more with the help of the Lord. And if you'll go with me to James chapter 4, verse number 8, I'm just going to read the first part of that verse. The book of James chapter 4, Verse number eight says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now let's go back in, in our Bibles, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and verse 23. One of the key verses for our message here today. The Gospel of John, chapter 13, and verse number 23. It says, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, if you do a study, and if you're a student of, of the New Testament, you'll understand that the writer of the Gospel of John was very careful how he referred to himself. But at the same time, he felt that he was one whom Jesus loved. So this is specifically speaking of the Apostle John. And so I want to use him today as an example to answer the question, how can I draw closer to Jesus? How can I draw closer to Jesus? Does anybody in this room want to draw closer to Jesus today? purpose of this message is to see how we can close the gap between the heart of God and our heart. Close the space, narrow the space between God and us. There's a great contrast in your Bible. It is a contrast between two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John. It's a contrast that provokes us to action and goes deep within our spirit. I believe it's documented in our Bible to produce action in everyone that desires to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And that should be every single one of our desires here in this place today. I'm not satisfied just being called a Christian. I'm not satisfied just being called a believer. I'm not satisfied just being called an apostolic. I want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I want to be a follower of Jesus. And so we first see Peter. And there is a verse of scripture that I believe best describes Peter in possibly one of the most challenging times of his discipleship of him following the Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22 and verse 54. 
This is not one of Peter's brightest moments. But it is important for us to consider. Luke chapter 22 and verse 54 says this. Having arrested him, they arrested Jesus. They led him and brought him into the high priest's home. But notice this last part here. But Peter followed at a distance. For a period of time, possibly three and a half years, he had been close to Jesus. Some of the Gospels would let us know, specifically John's Gospel, that he was a part of Jesus' inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He was one of the three disciples that got to see the Lord transfigured in the mountain. One of the most glorious moments of Jesus' earthly ministry. But now we find him following Jesus at a distance. Prior to Pentecost, Peter seemed to respond very differently to difficulty. Parallel to the other disciple, John, that we're going to consider today. Throughout the gospel writers, we see Peter distancing himself from Jesus during Jesus' trial. Matthew writes in Matthew 26 that Peter sits outside of the palace hall. Mark in his gospel in chapter 14 says that Peter was following from afar and warming himself by a fire. You may be asking, but, but how does this really affect Peter? Well, Scripture bears witness that Peter ultimately then yields to temptation. The distance that had been created between him and Jesus affected his life. And he ends up yielding to temptation. Some time would go on and we find him weeping tears of regret and experiencing a great loss of joy. He even has one of his lowest moments when he cuts off a servant's ear when they came to take Jesus away to be crucified. We can scripturally deduct that these things came about in Peter's life more than just to fulfill prophecy, but that a distance had developed between him and Jesus. This ultimately confirms that consequences can develop when we allow a distance to grow between us and the Lord. And I've come to preach to somebody here today that it's time to narrow the distance. It's time to draw closer to Jesus. When I'm closer to Jesus, I avoid negativity. When I'm closer to Jesus, I'm less prone to give in to certain things. I don't want to become like Peter and follow him from afar for the remainder of our time together I want us to contrast John's response during this very equally challenging time for him every single one of Jesus' disciples were being challenged every single one of them had to leave something behind to follow Jesus Jesus had shared kingdom principles with them he had shown that he had power over the devil. He had power over disease. He had power over those even denying that he was the very true Messiah. So all of them reacted very differently to this very same challenge. Isn't it amazing that we could all be challenged with the same thing and respond differently? That we all can be visited by certain trials and certain things that come to test our faith and our response be different than somebody else. And that's what we have here. Peter responded one way when he was tested and John responded the other. 
And I want us to see here today how John drew closer in proximity to Jesus. Number one, in the scripture that we read, we see John leaning. Someone say John leaning. Let's go back to that verse once again in verse 23 of John 13. Now there was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Here's John leaning, laying on Jesus' chest. He desired to be as close to Jesus as he possibly could. It was a trying moment. Every single one of those disciples around Jesus could feel the anxiety of the moment. Something is about to change. There's a shift going on. But John says, you guys can be worried about all that stuff. I'm going to try to get as close to Jesus as I can. Oh yes, there seems like something is coming and no one can put their finger on exactly what it is. It seems like there's some chatter. It seems like there's a shift. And while everybody is trying to sense what moment that we're in and sense what's happening, John says, you guys can talk. I'll just draw closer to Jesus. I've come to preach to somebody. Maybe it's very simple here today, but you can try to define the times that we're in. You can try to pick all the enemies that stand against us, but I prefer in the middle of chaos and anxiety and confusion to draw as close to Jesus as I possibly can. What's happening in our world, preacher, I really don't know. But I'm just going to try to get closer to Jesus. What's happening here, I don't have all the details. But Jesus is still available. And I want to get possibly as close as I can to him. And it really, when you think about it, at this particular moment, John could not be any closer to Jesus. I wonder when the, was the last time we made up in our mind. I want to get as close to Jesus as I can. 2023, I wonder if there's somebody that says, I want to draw closer to him, closer than I've ever been before. I don't want there to be anything between me and Jesus. I don't want there to be any distance between me and the Lord. And there's four words that I want to give you today that I believe will help us to draw closer to him. That John exemplified here in our message. The first word I want to give you is the word desire. Someone say desire. We've shared this quite a few times already this week. The last couple of weeks better said. And if we're going to draw closer to Jesus, there has to be desire. Desire is the biggest component in you and I drawing closer to him. It's not easier for some to draw close to Jesus. That's what some of us believe. It's like, well, preacher, you know, I I'm kind of new to this. So it's, it's a little bit harder for me to get close than someone that's been here for a while. Or my life is a little bit more complicated than everybody else's. So that's why it's more challenging for me to get closer than it is for someone else. There's just some folks that are closer and the rest of us just have to deal with it. Nope, that's not how it works. There's a word called desire. 
It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church, if you were raised here or not. It doesn't matter if this is your first week or you're coming back again. A desire is the difference in how you and I can get closer and closer to Jesus. If you've got problems in your life, you can get closer as long as you've got desire. Everything could be stacked against you. Everybody can be against you. But if you have desire, that's the component that makes it possible to close the gap between you and Jesus. I want to know here this morning, did somebody come to church with desire? Oh, I know you've come with struggles. I know you've come with difficulty. But if you came with desire, you can draw closer and closer to him. It's simply that some have a desire to continually draw closer and closer to him. Your current difficulty doesn't determine your proximity to Jesus. I'll say that again. Your current difficulty doesn't determine your proximity to Jesus. It has to do with desire. In John 13, the disciples are troubled. Jesus had just said in John 13 and 21 that one of his disciples was going to betray him. The disciples began to question themselves. Is it me? Is it you? Who is it? And there is bewilderment over who is the one that's going to fall into temptation. And in the midst of of the traitor being exposed among him, who verse 26 of John 13 ultimately tells us it would be Judas. So the traitor is exposed among them. All of them are wondering, could it be him? Could it be me? And there's this whole uh, dialogue going on around the table. But then we arrive at verse 23 that we read. That's why that verse is so powerful. Everybody's wondering, could I be the one that falls? And then there's others that would say, not me. It has to definitely be him. I've been watching him. I've been seeing what he posts. And if anybody's going to betray Jesus, it's going to be that guy. And so you have the weaker ones wondering, I, I mean, I, I have the weakness in me. I have the potential to probably do it. It could be me. And you have the supposed stronger ones saying, it's definitely him. Everybody's at the table, pointing fingers, looking at themselves, looking at others. John just says, I'm going to snuggle up with Jesus. Verse 23 is in that context. John says, I don't have to justify myself. I don't have to worry if I'm going to fall. I don't have to worry if anybody else is going to fall. My only worry is how close can I get to Jesus? You're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. You see, in the hour that we live in, it's not time to point fingers. It's not time to say, well, who's the most spiritual or who's the least spiritual? Who's going to be the traitor? Who's going to be tempted? Who's going to fall? I don't have time to worry about that. I'm just going to draw closer to Jesus. So you can point fingers if you want to. You can look for the weak ones if you want to. I'm just going to embrace Jesus. I'm just going to draw closer to Jesus. I'm going to focus my attention on Jesus. That's what concerns me. I've said, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. It concerns me that so many folks are so worried about other people's level of spirituality. So concerned about, well, this person needs to do this. 
And if I were them, John says, I don't have time for this stuff. There's a feeling that Jesus might leave. There's a feeling that something's going to happen. And so I just want to make sure I'm as close to him as I can be. But what about your future, John? That doesn't matter. I'm just going to stay close to Jesus. Where, what about where you file and where you line up in the rank of disciples? That's not important to me. I just got to get close to Jesus. Can I tell you that in 2023, if we make it our ultimate desire and objective to be as close to him as possible, he'll take care of our present, he'll take care of our past, and he'll take care of our future. John is the youngest disciple, according to church history. He's approximately a teenager when Jesus first calls him. And he's sitting next to Jesus, according to pictures, on his right. That's all we have. But more importantly, he's the one that as he's laying on Jesus, he says, who is it? While everyone else is worried about their guilt, John is worried about the victim. Why is John leaning on Jesus? Because he has a desire to be closer to Jesus. Why is John 13, 23 in our Bible? I believe it's there to reveal the, the affection that the Lord wants us to have for him. And ultimately the affection that God has for us. This demonstrates God's desire for the gap to be closed. To show us that the Lord is full of mercy. I believe it's also there to invite us to do what Judas didn't do. Judas gave up the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. While ultimately John gave up the silver to be closer with Jesus. Judas's intentions were different. Judas could not leave something to make Jesus everything. But John said, he's my everything, so I don't want anything else. Oh, I wonder if there's somebody in the onset of this year that can say, Jesus is not just worth something to me. He's worth everything to me. Jesus is not the, just one thing in my life. He's the only thing in my life. Can I ask you, on a scale of one to ten, what is your desire to be closer to Jesus? What is your desire? Where is it on this scale today? And so John's leaning speaks of desire. The second thing we see John doing, number two, is we see John standing. Someone say John standing. Go with me to Chapter 19, verse 26, Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 26. Look what it says. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. What does John standing by the cross have to do with us? I believe it reveals a second word. That will help us draw close to Jesus. But first examine this with me. In John 19, Jesus willingly carries his cross. He's crucified between two thieves. Pilate puts a title over his cross, King of the Jews. 
The soldiers gamble for Jesus' clothes. And then we arrive at verse 26. There are women, and there's John standing at the cross. And then Jesus acknowledges both groups. What's the big deal about standing at the cross where Jesus is dying? The big deal is there was a great risk involved. Jesus was a revolutionary in the eyes of the Romans and a heretic in the eyes of the religious leaders. And because of this, any supporter of Jesus ran the risk of ridicule, arrest, and possibly execution. But which of the disciples is close to Jesus? John the Beloved. So why is John standing there? It gives us the second word that helps us to draw closer to Jesus, and that word is devotion. Someone say devotion. Desire will get you there. Devotion will keep you there. Oh, you, you didn't catch that. I'll say that again. Desire will get you in the presence of Jesus. But devotion will keep you in the presence of Jesus. It's not good enough for me to just feel his presence. It's not good enough for me just to step into his presence. I need to stay in his presence. I need his presence to lead me and to guide me into all truth. We need to have devotion. Why didn't John run away with the rest of the disciples? Because all of them ran. John was the only disciple of Jesus. Besides Mary, his mother, and some other women that were there to comfort their friend Mary. Right there at the foot of the cross. Why was John there? Because John was willing to give up anything even his life to be close to Jesus. What a discovery here. Because devotion is not measured by my words. And let me just make it 2023. Devotion is not, not measured by my posts. That brother, that sister, their posts are very spiritual. That's wonderful. But that's not the measurement of my spirituality. The measurement of your and my spirituality is devotion. When everybody else runs, will you stay? When anybody, everybody else is worried about their own life and their own personal outcome, will you stand there at the foot of a cross, so to speak, and say, come what may come, I'm not leaving this Jesus. I'm not walking away from this truth. I'm not walking away from my devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got desire, but I've also got devotion. I wonder if there's somebody here today that can raise their hands and say, Jesus, I want to be more devoted in 2023. Oh, yes, I've got desire, but I want to be devoted. A devotion that will help me stand in the midst of controversy. So if devotion isn't measured by my words, what is devotion measured by? Devotion is measured by its costs. In other words, like John, am I willing to stand at the cross of Jesus? Am I willing to stand 
and risk disapproval from those who know me? Am I willing to express my devotion even if it costs me something? John says, I, I might get executed for standing here. I might be labeled my entire life from following Jesus all the way to the cross. I might be misunderstood and misrepresented because of my devotion that I'm showing the Lord Jesus. But it doesn't matter. I want to be close to him. And I wonder if in this hour we have that same kind of devotion. But pastor, what if they label us radicals? What if my coworkers misunderstand me? And what if my family calls me a radical? What if my family no longer wants to associate with me because of the stand that I'm taking? Well, let me tell you, your devotion is measured by how much you're willing to pay, how much the cost is. And I made up my mind a long time ago, come what may come, no matter the price, no matter the cost, I'm going to stay in Jesus I'm going to stay as close as I can to him I've lost friends along the way but I made up in my mind I'll stand with Jesus I've been called names before and that's okay but I choose to stand with Jesus is there anybody here that feels that measure of devotion here today I'll stand with him I'll live for him I'll follow him I'll draw closer to him no matter the cost And I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost today that we're getting to days where it's going to start costing us a lot more than it costs us today. We're very close. We're inching our way into that time where it's going to cost you possibly your job. They say, you know, we'd like to promote you at this company, but, you know, you know. You'd make a lot more sales if it wasn't for, you know, you're one of those. We'd invite you around the family a lot more, but you know, you just, ah, uh, you know, it just kind of, you're, you're kind of the buzzkill of the family. And maybe for some that's not so much of a sacrifice, but for others it is. But no matter what the cost is, that it will vary person to person, there will be a cost. And that is how you measure your devotion. My grandfather, Raimundo Correa, he got ostracized from his family for getting baptized in Jesus' name. My mother's father, he got ostracized. They, they took him out of the family, so to speak, because he became an apostolic, and they believed in another thing. And so he served Jesus all by himself. He got a hold of Jesus, and he was devoted. And I'm so glad for his devotion. Because if it wasn't for his devotion, my mom would have never gotten her devotion. And if it wasn't for her devotion, I would have never gotten my devotion. And see, your willingness to pay a price will be a blessing for generations to come should the Lord tarry. So mom and dad, make up in your mind, I'm going to be devoted. If I'm the only one in my family, I'm 
going to serve the Lord. If I get uninvited to some things, that's okay. I'll follow Jesus all the way to the cross if I have to. Could somebody lift up their hands and their voices today and give God praise and say, Lord, help me. Help me to have that kind of devotion. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like that devotion is welling up inside of somebody this morning. Whatever it costs, preacher, whatever it costs, I'll serve him. My children need a mom and dad that's devoted. My family needs a loved one that will be devoted. I want to be devoted. I don't claim that I am. I want to be. I want to be devoted to Jesus. And so John leaning speaks of desire. John standing speaks of devotion. Which leads us to the third thing that we see John doing. We now see John running. Someone say John running. Go with me to chapter 20 of John and verse number 4. So they both ran together. And the other disciple, John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. We have to ask ourselves the question, why is John running with Peter to the empty tomb? It's because of what John had just heard. In the very first verses of John 20, Mary visited the tomb when it was still dark. The Bible says that she saw that the stone was rolled away. John says that Mary then runs with excitement because she saw the disciples. She felt the atmosphere of anxiety that had been lingering over the disciples for several weeks. She knows that they had hidden themselves away for fear of the Jews. And so Mary says, man, I, I can't keep this good news to myself. When someone's hurting and someone's dealing with anxiety and they're dealing with depression because of their life has changed. And so Mary runs and she tells Peter and John what she saw. And I love it because Peter and John were, were not sitting there, well, you know, I, I don't believe you. It, it sounds too good to be true. They had gone so far down in disappointment that any news that came to them pulled excitement out of them. And so Peter and John, the Bible says they race on foot. They take off running the moment that Mary tells them the stone was rolled away. And the tomb seems like, like, like it's empty. And, and, and Jesus is, is alive. And so Peter and John race on foot to get there first. And verse 4 of John 20 says that John did outrun Peter. So a question that we've got to answer is why is John running? And this gives us the third word that will help us to draw closer to God. And the third word is determination. John was determined to see it for himself. 
John doesn't want to depend on Mary's words. John's not going to let Peter bring him a secondhand report. In other words, John is determined to experience this spiritual reality for himself. John heard of Mary's experience, but John wants to know it firsthand. Can I tell you, it's not good enough for you to hear about how Jesus moves in somebody else's life. It's not good enough for you to hear of somebody else's experience you have to have your own experience with Jesus it's like trying to explain chocolate to somebody how do you, how do you explain chocolate to somebody what, 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 what adjectives what, what descriptions do you give it's, it's almost impossible you say really you just gotta try it for yourself and I believe at times it's the same way with Jesus. How, how, how can I verbalize how Jesus came into my life and set me free from everything that held me hostage? How can I verbalize to somebody that I was down in depression and my life was over and Jesus came in and he gave me hope and he gave me purpose? You know what? You've got to taste it for yourself. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I've experienced it, but you need to experience it. I wonder if there's somebody here that says, I want my own experience with Jesus I want my own experience with his presence John said I'm glad you guys experienced it but I want to go hear it for myself I want to see it for myself so does God, John show up at the tomb to be where Mary was when she saw Jesus no the Bible says in verse 8 of John 20 that John goes in the tomb he goes inside the tomb and he sees and he believes. He hears Mary. He runs with Peter, but he goes inside the tomb. And when he gets there, he sees and he believes for himself. Like John, every one of us needs a running determination that will lead us closer to Jesus determination inside you that says I'll run if I have to I'll do whatever it takes to experience Jesus that's the kind of determination that you need in 2023 not the one that we've had before that we're excited until something wrong happens I've seen too many folks that way Oh, pastor, you know, it's just so wonderful to serve Jesus and it's so wonderful to be a part of the church and then problems come. Family problems, financial problems, whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, you know what, this is too hard. This is not what I signed up for. Uh, I thought it was just going to be goosebumps, you know, and Holy Ghost and, and that warm and fuzzy feeling, but it's not like that. And so uh, I'm checking out. You need a running determination. That says when the goosebumps are gone and when the warm and fuzzy feeling leaves, I'm still pursuing him. I'm still running after him. I'm still pushing through whatever I got to push through to make sure I'm as much close as I can to Jesus. I've got to stay determined in 2023 that I'm going to keep my Bible open. I'm going to keep my knees bowed. I'm going to keep my heart inclined. I'm going to keep my hands raised. I'm going to stay in his presence because I'm determined. 
Look at somebody next to them. Are you determined? Go on, ask them. Are you determined? Look at this determination that we need. We got enough doctrine. We just need determination. It's not doctrine that we're struggling with. We got a great message. It's laid. The foundation was laid before you and I ever got here, and it'll stay laid long enough to work on. We don't have doctrinal problems in the apostolic church. We have determination problems. We won't stay determined. But pastor, you don't understand. My marriage is falling apart. Stay determined. My body's not as strong as it used to be, and, and it's changed so much, and, and I'm not feeling like I used to feel. Stay determined. My friends have, have checked out on me and gone their own way, and I'm the only one still here. Stay determined. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's determination that we live and determination that we teach our children. We've got to be determined. Yes, life gets hard. Yes, it gets challenging. But we're determined. And so Mary's witness is not good enough. Peter's witness for John is not good enough. He has to have his own understanding and determine that he too was invited to discover the living Jesus. So today I must get up like John did. I must go forth like John did. And I must go in myself like John did. John would have never have experienced the resurrected Jesus if he hadn't first gotten up. And if he would have not first have then taken off and went forth. And then went in for himself. You see, in other words, thank God for Mary and Peter. But God wants me to experience the power of the resurrection in my own personal life. No need to be an onlooker or a casual observer. I want to experience resurrection power for myself. I want my own experience with Jesus. I remember very early on in my Christian life. I used to hear all these testimonies. Of how God was doing miracles in other people's lives. And I would even see my father and hear his own experiences. And I remember very early on in my Christian walk, I began to pray this. I began to pray, Lord, I want my own experiences. I want my own testimonies. I want to experience this for myself. It's wonderful. I love hearing people's testimonies. I love sitting especially with those that have been in the Lord a lot longer than I have and hearing how they've overcome challenges and how they've seen God move in their life. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. It's encouraging. But there's nothing like having your own testimony. Oh, other people's testimonies have blessed me. And I can imagine they'll continue to bless me. But there's nothing like looking back over your own life and say, I remember when Jesus brought me out. I remember when he healed me. I remember when he delivered me. I remember when I saw him work and do what nobody else can do. That's a personal experience. That's a personal testimony. Does somebody in the house today have a personal testimony? I know somebody else's testimonies have blessed you. I know my testimonies can bless you, but you need your own, your own experience, your own ex testimony with the Lord Jesus Christ. There needs to be a determination that I will run to him if I have to. And so John leaning speaks of desire. John standing speaks of devotion. 
And number three, John Running speaks of determination. Number four, my last principle I want to share with you today is we see John following. Someone say John following. Now let's go to John 21, verse number 20. John 21 and 20 says this. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Here, in this final chapter of John, prior to Jesus' ascension into heaven, Peter, in fact, sees John, the beloved disciple, following Jesus. And in the following verse, Peter then asks John, excuse me, Jesus, about what John is doing. Peter sees this man following, and then he says, you know, Lord, what is, what is John doing? And Jesus You'll see this in John 21, then rebukes Peter. And he says, hey, Peter, John isn't your concern. You just make sure that you follow me. And we don't have time to go into it, but if you want to do a little bit of homework, you go to verses 19 and 22 of the same chapter. And in those two verses in John 21, Jesus tells Peter twice, follow me. Two times. Now once was enough. But how many parents know that you got to sometimes say it again? And so Peter's like, Jesus, what is John doing? Why is he so close to you? Why does he think he has to be that close to you? Jesus looks at Peter and says, don't you worry about him. You follow me. Jesus is telling Peter, your sole responsibility is to make sure you're following me. In other words, don't worry about somebody else. Don't worry about what they're doing or not doing. Your responsibility is to follow me. I wonder how much more effective and how much more fruitful we would be if we kept our eyes always on Jesus. Took our eyes off of other things and other people and what they're doing and not doing. Make up in your mind in 2023, I'm going to forget about everybody else around me and what they're doing. and not. I'm putting my eyes on Jesus. My future is at stake. My family is at stake. I'm going to follow him. When it comes to following Jesus, we must understand that following Jesus means serving God wherever God puts me, and leave everyone else to serve where God puts them. This year I pray that you find a place to serve God for yourself. That you discover a place that you could live serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and you let others serve where God places them. In a couple of weeks we're going to have our ministry fair. You're going to get to see a little bit more of what our ministries here at PFAC offer. 
and what they're all about. And I'm praying that every one of us, in some way, shape, or form, will connect to one of these ministries so that we can serve in 2023. Because there's nothing better than discovering your place of service and following Jesus there. You see, following Jesus means to concentrate all of my attention on my own dedication. It means to focus all of my energy on completing God's will for my life. Following Jesus means that you don't covet, copy, or conform to someone else. But you simply just follow him. As I get ready to close, as the musicians would come, leads me to my fourth word that I want to give you that will help us to draw closer to Jesus. And that fourth word is decision. Someone say decision. You go from desire to devotion to determination to number four, decision. To draw close to Jesus, I must decide to follow him. You've heard me say it before and I'll say it again. Serving Jesus has nothing to do with emotion. It has everything to do with a decision. I have made up in my mind, I'm going to follow Jesus. Why is that important, Pastor? Because there are days that you feel it and there are days that you don't. There are days that you've got all kinds of people in your corner saying, you can do it. I believe in you. You got what it takes. You're next. It's you, and that's wonderful if you have that, but you won't always have that. And so your, your mindset for serving Jesus does not depend on who's around you and who's motivating you. It, it comes back to a decision that you made. I made a decision in 1995 that I was going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Has it been easy? No. Have I been challenged? No. Yes. Have I made mistakes? You better believe it. But you want to know what? I made up in my mind. I decided I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to follow him no matter what it is. Somebody needs to make a decision. It's your decision. That keeps you in the will of God. Gosh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You just follow him. Some days, it's following him through some difficulty. Some days, it's following him even as he leads you through grief and recovery. Sometimes you follow him through a valley of sickness. Through a valley of confusion. There are even days where you follow him by staying exactly where you are. There seems to be no progress. There seems to be no advancement. But Jesus led you there. And so you stay there. Why? Because you decided to follow him. And like John, like we saw in his determination and devotion, that when everybody else ran, he said, I'm staying here. John, it, it could possibly cost you something. And if you read church history, you specifically see the price that John the Apostle had to pay. As he was isolated on the Isle of Patmos, stricken 
to spend the rest of his life in a convent of lepers and sick people. Judged because he followed the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his punishment. Many of the other disciples lost their lives immediately. But John was isolated to experience one of the most severe punishments, isolation. But there in isolation, he gets the book of Revelation. And he pens the things that are to come. But what kept John faithful, even when he suffered that extreme punishment, being isolated to the Isle of Patmos, you want to know what kept John faithful? Not that he was John the Apostle, not that he was John the Beloved, but that he made a decision. And you know what keeps people here, year after year, come what may come? Not that some are more special. It's not that some have figured it out. It's that some, somebody decided. I decided I'm going to be faithful to Jesus. I don't care what the rest of my family does. I don't care what the rest of my friends are doing. I don't care what choices that they've made. That's for them. I've decided to stay in Christ Jesus, to follow him wherever he leads me. To draw close to Jesus. I have to decide. I must decide apart from everyone else. I must choose for myself to live close to Jesus. When I'm following Jesus, I don't have time to see what other people around me are doing. Jesus said, Peter, you just follow me. Peter, you just stay close to me. I know where I'm taking John, and I know where I'm taking you. Can I tell somebody today, you've got to make the decision today, I'm going to follow Jesus. Whatever it takes, whatever I have to do, I have decided to follow Jesus. Someone said, no turning back. No turning back. Did somebody in this place, have you made that decision? Or do you want to make that decision today? I will follow Jesus. And I finish. What's the reward for drawing closer to Jesus? You make up in your mind today that you're going to draw close to him. You will experience God's presence in your life. Through closeness and prayer. You make up in your mind, I'm drawing closer to Jesus. You're committing to a daily relationship with him. Daily communion with him. An ongoing conversation that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what prayer is. Conversation creates relationship. And relationship then builds closeness. And it all starts out because your desire to draw closer to Jesus involves you communicating with him. You experience God's plan for your life. Not only do I get his presence, but I also get God's plan. How do I know God's plan for my life? You discover it through the searching of the scriptures. There are people in this room that are struggling with what God's plan is for you. You're struggling to identify your purpose. You're struggling to find out what's God's ultimate mission for my life. Can I tell you, you'll learn it by searching the scriptures. Because in God's word, you find his will. And more specifically, you find his will for your life. So if I'm saying I'm going to draw closer to Jesus in 2023, not only does it involve prayer, but it involves searching the scriptures.
Don't wait till Thursday to open up your Bible. Don't wait till Sunday to open up your Bible. Go home and say, every day, I'm going to get into his word. And maybe at first, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I'm going to search, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to study, and I'm going to take my time because I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to draw closer to his presence. Not only do you experience God's plan, but you experience his power in your life. How do I experience his power? By the power of his Holy Spirit. You say, I'm drawing closer to Jesus. You're making up in your mind, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible, but I'm also going to get full of his spirit. And I'm going to maintain the fullness of his spirit in my life. I'm not going to let a day go by without speaking in other tongues. That's a practice that I encourage every single one of you to develop in 2023. Every day you speak in tongues. But pastor, we only have church on Sundays and Thursdays. And you know what, Brother Jack? concerns me because even on Sundays and Thursdays, some folks don't speak in tongues. You want to know how you're going to draw closer to Jesus? By you staying full of the Holy Ghost. God's indwelling spirit inside of you. Practicing his presence. Speaking in tongues on your commute. On your way on your way home. Separating some time to worship Jesus. And get full of his spirit. That's how you draw closer to him. By the Holy Ghost. I want to get full of the Holy Ghost. And I want to stay full of the Holy Ghost. You also experience God's purpose for your life when you decide to draw closer to Him. That happens through obedience to the known will of God. I start praying. I start searching the Scriptures. I maintain the fullness of the Spirit of God in my life. And then I start taking positive steps in obedience to what I know his will is for me. There's some things I don't know what his will is, but I do know his will is for me to pray, so I pray. I do know his will for me is to love other people, so I love other people. I do know his will for me is to live holy, so I live holy. I do know his will for me is to preach the gospel, so I preach the gospel. I do what I can in the known will of God. And then God unfolds his specific will to me for my life as I obey his commandments and so my question to you today is are you close to Jesus would you like to be do you want to draw closer to him I said well preacher I, I, I don't feel that close to him today well you can start by praying you can leave this building today and start by reading your Bible you can make sure that you're full of the Holy Ghost if you're not that close to him today, you can begin by obeying what God is telling you to do today through his word. But I don't know about you. I want to draw closer to him. Would you stand with me all over the sanctuary? And I feel such a burden in the Holy Ghost for us today. Because I can hear the Lord clearly talking to us about his desire for us to draw closer to him. It's not good enough that I just say I go to church. It's not good enough that I'm connected to somebody that faithfully goes to church. It's not good enough for me to always be asking folks to pray for me when I can pray for myself. I've got to make up in my mind, I want to draw closer to Jesus.
I'm going to do whatever it takes to draw close to him. It starts with a desire. You're going to desire these things. You're going to say, Lord, help me to develop a desire. Just like we desire other things, it's time that we desire him the very same way. That drive that you have to succeed should also be channeled into succeeding in your relationship with God. It's desire. It's passion. Then you've got to be devoted to Him. Come what may come, you stay planted in your relationship with God. And that you stay determined that you run after Him and pursue Him no matter what life brings. And what's going to keep you founded is your decision. And so today, I'm not appealing to your emotions. I am an emotional preacher. God, this is the way that I am. But I'm not appealing to your emotions today. I want you to make a decision. But pastor, I, I already got baptized. I already ministered. Yes, but, but this Christian life requires that we make a daily decision. Man, if I, I wish I had time to unpack all of that. Because it's so simple when you really understand this that you wake up every morning and you decide today I'm going to serve Jesus why is that powerful because you'll be tempted today you'll be discouraged today you'll get a phone call and a message today that will try to get you off course things will happen but if you made up in your mind to do it today you can do it today and if you do it today you can do it tomorrow if you do it tomorrow you can do it the day after it's a daily decision Guess what happens? Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. Months turn into years. And you realize, how did I get through all of this? It's because you decided. And by the grace of God, you march through every season of life. So I wonder today, there's a mom and dad, a husband and a wife, a young adult, teenager, somebody here for the first time or somebody coming back to God. I says, I want to decide. I want to make a decision. That in 2023, I can't do anything about 2022. I can't do anything about tomorrow. But today, I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus. To draw closer to him, whatever it takes. If you feel that way today, if this message has touched your heart in some way and you want to make that kind of decision, whether you're baptized or not, I want you to come and stand at this altar. This is not just an appeal for those that don't know Jesus. This is an appeal to all of us, this preacher included, to make a decision to follow Jesus. Would you come and gather with us right here in this front area on this altar? It's a decision, young man, young lady. It's a decision. Mom and dad, you make a decision and then every day you, you stay committed to that decision and you decide again, no matter what happens in your life, I'm gonna serve the Lord Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus, whatever it takes. I'm making up in my mind, I'll follow him. Why don't you come? Come and stand here at this altar with us as we make that commitment to the Lord today. We make a decision today. Not based on your feelings, not based on your circumstances, not based on who is in your life presently, no, but based on the fact that I've decided. I'm making a decision today. I'm going to follow Jesus. 
And oh, it may get hard sometimes. It may get difficult. Some of these, the, it turns into a climb every now and again. And you got to go up every once in a while. But you know what? You made up in your mind, oh, if I can do it today, God will help me to do it tomorrow. His grace will guide me. His grace will lead me. His love will propel me. I'm making up my mind. I'm going to follow him. If you're at this altar, in this sanctuary, or watching online.